Thank you, worship team, for leading us to worship King Jesus this morning so well. Give Jesus praise this morning. I found my chair, honey. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, my beautiful bride over there um, says that when I have somewhere like a, at least a stationary point to go back to, that maybe it's better. I don't know. We're, gonna, we're definitely counting on the Lord this morning. So, uh, if you haven't been here, just to, just want to let you know, we've been walking through the life of David, King David. And it's been really good up to this point, and it's just going to keep getting better and better. Um, last week, we saw where um, David, wasn't it where David was anointed? Is that where we were at? And um, this week... We're gonna, we have reached the point where we're going to begin David and Goliath. Now, most everyone here has heard um, that story in your life, right? I will tell you that as Dustin and I have been prepping for this uh, David and Goliath section, he, the Lord Jesus has shown us things we've never seen before, things we've never heard before. Part of that might have been me. I wasn't listening, paying attention. Um, but nevertheless, it's good, and I hope that you agree uh, today that the Lord Jesus speaks through me, and, and you hear from him. I've already welcomed you once, but I welcome you again. If you came in uh, after the uh, beginning, it's okay. That's, that's okay here. We're glad you're here. Uh, there are some Bibles up front. We're going to be in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you got your Bible, it'll be on the screen, but if you've got your Bible, go ahead Turn to 1 Samuel 17, and it, like I said, if you don't have a Bible, we have bi really nice Bibles laying up here for you, and if you just need one, raise your hand, and I'll get one of my precious kiddos to deliver it to you um, if you need a Bible today. Um, again, uh, can't tell you how much uh, that I'm glad, that we're glad that you're here this morning, and I am going to walk through section by section for my own good and uh, probably for some of y'all's good so that we can follow along. Last week when David was anointed as king of Israel, oh, I guess I need a set in this thing. Um, <laughs> it was kind of like a private him uh, being privately uh, anointed, and uh, this week we're going to see that by God's grace, he David goes public. Uh, many people saw um, this week that God was doing something, and uh, you're going to see that. I'm going to pray again because we can't pray too much. God, uh, we're counting on you today. To come and do what only you can do. Speak to us now. I know I need to hear from you today. I know people here 
came needing to hear from you. Even if everything's on the mountaintop, they, we need to hear from you and we need to praise you. If we're in the valley or somewhere in between, we still need you and we need to hear from you. Help us, tune us up, help us to hear clearly what you have for us today. It's in Jesus' name that we're confident that you are here and you're going to do what you do. Amen. So 1 Samuel 17, we're going to start with the first 11 verses. The first 11 verses. And so follow along with me on the screen or in your copy of God's Word as I read God's Word. It goes like this. The Philistines gathered their forces for war at Sukkah in Judah and camped between Sukkah and Azekah in Ephes Damim. Saul and the men of Israel gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. Then they lined up in battle formation to face the Philistines. The Philistines were standing on one hill and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall, and he wore a bronze helmet and a bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. There was a bronze armor on his shins, and a bronze javelin was slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam, and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield bearer was walking in front of him. He stood and shouted to the Israelite battle formations, Why do you come out to the line and line up in battle formation, he asked them. Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. If he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we will be your servants. But if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. So, all throughout the scripture up to this point, you know, God raised up Moses to bring his people uh, across the Red Sea into the promised land after they'd been enslaved in Egypt. And there were people occupying God's land and God's people were promised that they were going to come to this land and it was going to be their land, the promised land. He gave them specific instructions on, t on what to do, exactly what to do. And you see this word Philistines always creeping up. And they remain today a thorn in Israel's side due to Israel's disobedience. Today, where we're at in the text, and even today in the land. Now, the proximity, uh, I said, the scripture said, you got the Philistines on one hill, Israel's on one hill, and there's a valley in between. So picture that with me. 
But the thing that I want you to know is in the text, there's an enemy in God's territory coming against God's people right here where we're at today. There's an enemy in the territory, in both the front yard and the backyard. They're all up in it, and that's a problem. Um, there were promises made to, yes, to Moses, Joshua, Samuel, now Saul. And you know what? God keeps his promises. He had not forsaken his promise. He had not forsaken them when they trust and believe in him and his promises. And it's the same for us today. Now, I want you to notice, and I know you heard me say this, Goliath is labeled a champion. A champion. Today, I want to, uh, I've entitled my sermon, The Chunk, The Cheese Man, and The Champion. And you'll see, I think that'll make sense to you. So, for our purposes, I'm going to entitle Goliath a chunk. Remember a few weeks ago when Dustin stood up here and he preached about there are things sometimes that come up in our lives and, and he called them chunks, right? And when they rise to the surface, when God reveals these chunks in our life, we have a choice to make, to get rid of them, uh, to do what God says, to put the chunk in the proper place. And so much like where we see today, we've got a chunk that's coming against God's people. He's in enemy's territory and he's coming. And you know what? He's big. The Bible says he's nine foot nine. Yeah, there's some scripts that say in my study that he's six nine. It don't matter. He was probably a foot and a half to four foot taller than anyone in the army, and especially David, who would come. You remember last week, David pointed out, or Dustin pointed out that David was a cute little king, a cute little kid. And so that's where we find ourselves today. We got this big chunk. And, you know, he's got bronze, he's bronze cladding. He's wearing bronze. The Philistine people were very good at working with metal. They were very good at, in military actions because um, they studied it. It was kind of who they are. They like fighting. They are the enemy, of the, used by the enemy and to come against God's people. And don't miss that. Um. The Philistines in this chunk were looking to intimidate God's people. And they were also looking for an easy victory. Do you see that? He, he's coming out, and he's, he's huge. He's a giant, and he's calling everybody out. But you know what? He's still wearing bronze. He, uh, if he's so confident in himself, why is he that his armor? And we're going to see next week, Dustin's going to point out, David didn't need that armor. But this chunk, he's, he, he's so uh, confident in himself. He's full of himself. He's running his mouth. I just wonder why, if they were so confident in this giant, why didn't they just attack? Why didn't they just go after him? You know, if, if they feel like they've got such an X factor, do something. But yet, no, he was looking for a one-on-one -on -one battle. And isn't it like that in our lives so many times where something intimidates us? And nevertheless, we could talk a lot about this passage here, but what we see here was the last verse 11 that I read. Israel was running scared, discouraged, living in fear. 
paralyzed. And um, I got a couple points, and then we're going to move on. Our disobedience to God, talking about us, in this sense, Israel's disobedience to God and not trusting him and not taking the Philistines out completely will cause consequences to creep up on us. And they will remain in our lives, in your life, in my life, until I kill them. Do you see that? And in this story, our opposition or our obstacles that's in your life right now, that's in my life right now, instead of us hoping in ourselves and looking within or whatever things we turn to other than Jesus, that's not what they're meant for. They're meant to drive us to Jesus, not to turn to other things and, and put our hope in ourselves and our own resources and our size and the size of the obstacle, the size of our problem, the size of the giant. And so we will talk more of that. Um, but we can turn it over to Jesus because he's bigger than whatever is big in your life that you're facing. You can do that with confidence. The same promises that was for Israel and the same are the same ones that are contained in here. You can believe that he does everything he says he does. And he's so, so good. And what it does when we do that, not only does it give us the victory, it shows others who's in control. We learn who's in control, and those around us that are observing our lives, they know who's in control. Let's move on to the next section. 1 Samuel 17, 12 through 24. Now David was the son of the Ephrathite from Bethlehem of Judah named Jesse. Jesse had eight sons. We saw that last week. And during Saul's reign was already an old man. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war, and their names were Eliab, the firstborn, Abinadab, the next, Shema, the third. And David was the youngest. The three oldest had followed Saul. You see where it said that twice? They want you to know. They had followed Saul to the battle. But David kept going back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock in Bethlehem. Every morning and evening for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand. That's at least 80 times he comes out running that mouth. One day, Jesse had told his son David, take this half bushel of roasted grain along with these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Also take these 10 portions of cheese to the field commander. Check on the well-being of your brothers and bring a confirmation from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David got up early in the morning, left the flock with someone to keep it, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had charged him. He arrived at the perimeter of the camp as the army was marching out to its battle formation, shouting their battle cry. Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation face, facing each other. David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster, and he ran to the battle line. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. While he was speaking with them, 
Suddenly, the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words, which David heard. When all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated from him, terrified. Man, this is a really rich passage right here, y'all. Let's try to break some of it down. We saw again last week, Jesse had eight sons. Three of these sons, the firstborn, Eliab, Shammah, Abinadab, they went with Saul uh, to what was supposed to be a battle. Not much battle going on. We'll, we'll, we'll address that. David, where was he at? He was home with his, with his pops. The Bible said last week, says this week, he's going back and forth. Uh, Jesse uh, sends David on a mission. Ask David to go check on his brother, on his brothers, and, and take them a sandwich. You see that? David gets up early, and I want you all to pay attention to all these parallels between David and our King Jesus. David gets up early. Who else got up early? Jesus. David is obedient to his father, just like Jesus. David had no clue what was going on. He was just simply doing, walking, getting up, taking sandwiches, going to check on his brothers, everything he was told to do. He just went to do what he came to do, what he was told to do. He followed instruction. He said, yes, Daddy. And he had, even though he had no clue what he was walking into when he got to the battlefield, y'all, he saw some things. He saw and he heard some things going on, going down, and he didn't like it. And he heard it clear. And y'all, this had gone on too long. You heard what I pointed out in verse 16? The Philistine, this dude comes out 40 days, morning and night, shouting at God's people, trying to punk them out. So we know at least 80 times. But there was a man on the battlefield that day. And he heard. He saw it. And he heard. The cheese man heard it this time. He heard, the cheese man heard what the chunk said. Folks, I want you to see and hear today, just as David saw and heard today, what is going on here. Yeah, there's a lot here. But the main point, couple main points I want you to see is there is great freedom for David, and there's great freedom for me, and there's great freedom from you from this side from this hillside, in this valley, and on this mountainside over here, when you hear from the Lord, you hear what Daddy says, and you do it. If he said take sandwiches, if he calls you to be the cheese man, bring me some. Uh, and not only is there great freedom when we do what the Father says, don't miss this, y'all. 
there's great opportunity. He had no clue what he was walking into. But God had some stuff for him to see and hear and do, right? He did what he was told to do. He checked on his brothers. He took the, the sandwiches. But he's also paying attention to what's going on around him. And we need to be too. Seeing and hearing what's going on. And saying, God, what would you have me to do today? If Jesus calls you to be the cheese man or the milk man, you better do it right. Better not be none of that nonsense going on, but just do what he calls us to do. Serve him with gladness. All right, let's move on to the next section. 1 Samuel chapter 17. You're doing good, 25 through 30. 25 through 30. Catch this, catch this right here. Previous, previously, if I can read, previously, an Israelite man had declared, Do you see this man who keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will make the man who kills him very rich and will give him his daughter. The king will also make the family of that man's father exempt from paying taxes in Israel. David spoke to the men who were standing with him. What will be done? What will be done to the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? The troops told him about the offer, concluding that is what will be done for the man who kills him. They told him again. They're just talking this thing up. David's oldest brother, Eliab, listened as he spoke to the men. And he became angry with David. Why did you come down here, he asked. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? He didn't care about those sheep. He was just calling David a, a, a plow boy. Making fun of him, mocking him. You know, why'd you come down here? Who'd you leave the sheep with? I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down here to see the battle. What battle? A spiritual battle. There wasn't anything going on. David said, what have I done now? It was just a question. Then he turned from those beside him to others in front of him and asked about the offer. Offer. The people gave him the same answer as before. All right. David is asking questions. David's asking questions. Who else was very good at asking good questions? Who was awesome at asking good questions? Jesus. You know, I was thinking about this on the way here this morning. It's dark outside. Why should we be surprised that David is like Jesus? 
shouldn't we be like Jesus since Jesus lives in us? David asked questions just like Jesus. And he asked at least three questions. At least. We have three right here. But only one question gets answered. Only one. One question gets asked several times. And they give the answer to that question several times. Did you catch that? Really, y'all, this is an indictment on Saul, who's supposed to be leading the military, and all of his soldiers who are supposed to be believing in God, trusting in God's promises, and smoking these Philistines. It's an indictment on them. You know, a few weeks ago, it was pointed out that by Dustin up here that the people of God came to a place where they was looking around at the other nations and they decided that they wanted a king. Y'all remember that? And there was warnings that were given. So if he becomes the king, He's going to take your sons, he's going to take your daughters, he's going to take your money, he's going to take your crops, he's going to be a taker, right? At this point in the journey, the question that keeps getting, or the, the, the only question that gets answered and the one that they keep throwing and spouting these answers off at is this. Hey, whoever goes out and smokes this Philistine, if he wins, he gets some money. He gets to be royal because he gets the king's daughter. And he gets to be tax exempt. And not only him, but his whole family. Do you see that? Back here, Saul was going to be a taker, and he did. He took from God's people, just as God told Samuel he would. Here, though, he's giving it back. He's done lost his mind, y'all. He's desperate. He's paralyzed, crippled, in fear. Do you see that? He's losing the battle. He's losing his mind. He's desperate. He's gone from taking to giving. And it's interesting, the same thing that Dustin read from God's Word a few weeks ago that Saul would be taking, he's now trying to give back. How many times has that happened in our lives? We think we need something, and then we're like, you know what, I think I'll give it back. In fact, we're going to see later on, he gets Mahal, Saul's daughter, and he's out there dancing and celebrating God, and she comes after him. I mean, it was rough. Sometimes when we get what we think we want and need, we're ready to give it back. Um, where am I at? It's true for us today, right? Saul and all of his armies were consumed with the physical realm. They seen this dude and they're like, man, we can't, we can't. Look at us. And then they were worried about money. They were worried about taxes. And royalty, you know, the kings, that's what they kept repeating over and over. Does that sound familiar in the world we live in today? 
seems to be all we're consumed with. And they, when they're so looking at the physical realm, they forsake the spiritual realm. When really that's all we need. We need God and He know to know His promises are true and that He fights our battles and and we're victorious in Him. Isn't this us? Um, you know, in this where we're at in this story right here, you got Saul and he's losing his mind. I mean, he's really fits and lose his mind. And the army, they've pretty much lost their mind. And if, if and when, in this day and age, um, things go completely chaos, enemy gets in our territory, enemy's in our territory, enemy gets, I'm talking about when it kicks off in this real big chaos that kicks off in our community, in our little part of the world. Y'all, only God will be able to help us on that day. I mean, who are you going to call on when it hits the fan? I'm talking about, sure enough, when the world's crashing down. You ain't going to call Ghostbusters. You ain't going to call Tyrone. Man, I'm glad some of y'all got that. I mean, <laughs> for the rest of you, we'll tell you. There's going to be a time where you call law enforcement... They're going to be hurrying and struggling to try to find their own way to make it. Where do we find our security at, is what I'm saying. Where do we find our hope at? Physicians, doctors, um, politicians, medicine, numbing agents. There's going to be things that come your way that there ain't going to be nothing to numb it. Nothing, to, nothing that can fix it. Nothing that can remedy it. Um, your social status, who you are one day, who you are now one day, it won't matter. Um, when we stand before a king. Or when that, va- when that battle comes and the king's the only one that can deliver us. And why, why we turn to all these other securities, these false securities and hopes, instead of the only one that can fix it. I mean, how many times do we pick this up and turn to this? I mean, I'm going to do it in a little bit. Our money. There's going to come a time when our money don't matter. It really don't today. Y'all, the creator and the sustainer of the universe, the one that made you, every one of you, in every seat. And all that exists. By him, through him, to him, all things exist. He is the creator and the sustainer of the universe, the one that holds it all together, y'all. He's the one that's keeping this thing from going into complete chaos. We get in a wide when our team is in chaos, our football team. Isn't it time that we practice, high time that we practice turning to the only someone who can deliver us? from the obstacles and the fears and the anxieties that's got us paralyzed. The giants, so to speak, the chunks, the chunks that we need to deal with, isn't it, Tom? 
The real question that David asked, y'all, goes unanswered. Remember I told you there was only one question that was really answered. And that question is, who is this chunk that keeps coming up against God's people? Folks sitting around paralyzed, looking silly, shouting, they're, they're going. The Bible says they're out there shouting. Whoopee! They're out there shouting these things, marching in ranks, battle formation. They're all getting ready. And they ain't doing nothing. Just running their heads. Looking pretty. Dressing up, coming to church, whatever. Uh, not doing anything. Shouting, forsaking God and his promises, running their mouths, criticizing each other, wasting time. Look at 26. 26. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Then they look, then they go back to the money and the royalty. They keep saying, well, this is what's going to be done for the person that defeats him. They, they hadn't addressed the physical side of it yet. Not one single time have they said, who's this coming against God? And why are we forgetting all of his promises and not doing what he told us to do? And then verse 28. <laughs> what does the firstborn son David's oldest brother, Eliab, listened as he spoke to the men, and he became angry with them. Why did you come down here, he asked. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? I know your arrogance and your will and your heart. You have come down to see the battle. David's last question, what have I done now? So obviously there's a reoccurring thing here. His brother's bitter. He's been anointed as king. His brother saw that. But he is making these false accusations at David. What happened was, y'all, they got David came down and he hear and he, he he heard and he saw what was going on. And Eliab, who was part of the clan that was doing nothing, got found out. And now he's trying to run David out of there. The point I want to say here is this. David said, what have I done now? Sadly, y'all, opposition that keeps us from advancing against the enemy comes from within. Now, this is just, this is not an exhaustive list. It sometimes comes from sin. We're disobedient. We're, we've forsaken God. And it'll often lead to sin. But a lot of times, y'all, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, it's in our head. It's our mindset. We hear, we see these things, and they cripple us. They paralyze us, and they make us fearful, and they make us doubtful. And we're like, oh, I got this big thing ahead of me. I can't do it. You know, we're so caught up in our emotions and our mindset that we can't move forward. Are you with me? And then, in, in this case, our family. Look at his brother who's making all these false accusations against David to keep him from advancing forward. Uh, heaping this false guilt on him. Do you see what he said? 
he, he, he's, this is full of bull, y'all. He, he, he says, I know your arrogance and your evil heart. We know that's a lie. The Bible says, and, and we saw it last week, and we'll see it all throughout, and you've known it your whole life, that David was a man after God's own heart. He looked like Jesus, and he was falsely accused by a family member. Do you feel me, somebody? Our opposition often comes from within. In our head, our heart, and our soul, sometimes we're wrong. We, we just need to trust God and His promises. Sometimes it comes from a family member. And I know that's happened to some of y'all. It's happened to me. Sometimes it comes from the family of God. Where you've got folks who attempts to put the fire out in your life. You, you know, you, you hear about lukewarm Christians? They got it all figured out. They think we need to do something this way, this way, this way. And then you got these people that are trying their best to walk in the Spirit. They're not perfect whatsoever. Their hope's in the perfect one. They're trying their best to walk in the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. They're walking in the Spirit, doing their best to, counting on Jesus, saying, what do you have for me now? And they're risk-taking. They're taking risks. Uh, they're, they're doing their best to hear from God, uh, to do what He says, and yet they're getting arrows thrown at them. People trying to put their fire out. And so we have to guard against that. Um, we don't want to be that, and we don't want to be that kind of person. Y'all, here's where we're at, y'all. We're wrapping this up. Today we see that Goliath, the chunk, He's not really the problem. Next week, we're going to see that it ain't nothing that a little leather strap and a rock can't take care of. I thought it was a slingshot. The real problem here in this passage is the problem we have today right here in the church, in this room today. In the hearts of God's people is unbelief that dominates the hearts of God's people. You see, this chunk, his hope was in his armor and his size. The army of Israel, their hope was in getting paid, getting royalty. They didn't even care about their family being tax exempt. His brothers didn't obviously care about being tax If they had to just shut up instead of coming against David... And say, so, you know what, maybe you can step up with God's help and defeat this guy. If they'd have just shut up and left him alone, they would have been tax-exempt the rest of their life. They'd have been in the royal family because their brother would have been in the royal family. But no, they were busy coming against him. So you got the giant, the chunk whose hope was in his self and his physical strength. You got Israel's hope was in, and they were paralyzed because they had totally forsaken God. And we're leaning on what's in it for me or for the man that's going to step up. You know, and really David's saying, he kept going around and asking this group, what would y'all say would be done for, the, for the, the dude that goes against this guy and defeats him? And they would tell him the answer. And basically he was saying, and none of y'all will step up and do that. You get all that money, you get all the road. That's, that's all you're concerned with, but yet none of you done it. Then he'd go over here and he'd ask somebody else, well, his brother got... Brother saw what he was doing. He done heard and saw enough, and he was diagnosing them. And he was saying, now, what would you say you're going to get if you, if you do this? And he's like, uh, 
uh, yeah, you're going to get money? Again? He's like, oh, and y'all are punks too. Y'all won't do nothing either. And, and, and that's exactly what's going on here. Y'all never seen that before. And that is a problem today. Right here and in God's people. The real problem is not the giant. It is not what we don't have. It's who we don't look to. We should expect Goliath to do the stupid things that he was doing, calling out the armies of God. Really? Really, we shouldn't be surprised. But we should not expect God's people to act like they're acting in this thing right here, crippled in fear, looking to the wrong things, and forsaking to look at the only one that can do something. And we, I, us, y'all, we do it. And we're going to do better from this day forward. We know better. We know who to turn to. Church is full of unbelief these days, full of aliabs who are shouting out at the faith field, ambitious, difference-making, risk-taking. Oh, yeah, we're crazy. We've got to be crazy about the one thing that someone that matters, and that's Jesus. If they call us, you, we, us, y'all crazy, if it's for Jesus, let's just get crazier. Those who scoff and make fun of those who walk in the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's don't be that. You see, David, he knows the one who brings the victory, and so should we. You see, if we're not careful, we forget the promises of God. And we forget that we're not trusting in our own ability. We're trusting in Jesus and his capabilities. Doesn't the promises of God that's found and contained in this book still apply to us today just like they did on the battlefield that day? That they had just thrown away. They'd thrown this away. It applies to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It's not on your screen. It needs to be in your heart. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we've got to get back to the place where we're fighting where we aren't fighting for victory, but we're fighting from a place where victory's already been won for God's people. Jesus has done one in the battle. You see, I saw this this week in my studies. The enemy sees in this passage, he, they, the enemy saw Israel as they saw themselves. Weak cowards. And y'all, it's a sad reality when the enemy sees us as we see ourselves. Oh, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm, look at that. I can't go there. I, it, he needs to see us digging in here, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe in God can do what he says he can do. Believe in God for the victory. What does that say? Man, my writing and eyes are going bad. We got to. Okay, I know what it says. I told you I was going to use my phone.
Let's see here. Second phone pick. <laughs> Says this. I just, I just Googled this, y'all. Don't laugh. You Google stuff. <laughs> Being a champion requires you to see yourself as a champion. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. The way you see yourself will dramatically affect how you live your life. No, that's not the puffed up self where you're like, ah, look at me, look at, no, no. Walking victoriously in the power of Jesus, knowing that we're nothing apart from him. But because he lives in me, this changes everything. That's what this is saying. Today, if you're here and you see the chunk, Goliath as a hero. I'm talking about the big, strong boat up. They're wearing that. What's that high dollar hunting gear? Uh, Sitka. Nothing against you if you got it. If you get a deal on it, buy one, get one free. Remember me. <laughs> but this big boat up dude with his armor on, his knight in shiny armor, hey, if you see him as the hero today, we need to visit afterwards. The world, y'all, though, sadly, that's who our heroes are. And if you're here today and you see that David's the hero, knowing what's going to happen next week, where he's going to get that leather strap out and then take his sword, and psh, David, Dustin's going to get mad because I'm giving it away. He's going to... You can read ahead, by the way, and no pastor is going to be mad if you read ahead. If you see David as the hero, we need to visit afterwards. But let's get to Jesus and get your flipping fingers ready or just focus on the screen. I'm wrapping up. I'm getting to Jesus. And I want you all to keep in mind right now of how Jesus fulfills. Y'all are laughing because I said that while ago. John 10, 11, and 14. I am the good shepherd, said Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You're the sheep, y'all. He is our good shepherd. Ain't Jesus good? Was David a shepherd? Yeah. Was he a good one? Yeah. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to him. Be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The great shepherd. Do you see that? We got a good shepherd, y'all. We got a great shepherd. Stay with me. 1 Peter 5.4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Y'all, we got any, any chief. You talking about the commander in chief. You talking about the chief, Jesus. We got a good, great chief. Then let's look at first, or let's look at Matthew 13, 53 through 58. Y'all stay with me. 
When Jesus had finished these parables, he let parables he left there. He went to his hometown. Y'all know what hometowns are, don't you? And began to teach them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary and, and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, aren't they all with us? So where does he get all these things? And they were offended by him. Sound like David back there, y'all? Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. What's the great problem in us today and the church today? Not a giant. Not, a, not what's facing you. It's our unbelief in the one who can do something about it. Then Revelation twenty two sixteen, which would be a doxology if not five sermons. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to the churches. Y'all, that's us. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. If you haven't seen yet that David was like Jesus and David was a type of Jesus and that David's life paralleled Jesus and so, and so should mine and so should, your, so should yours. He says, y'all, I, Jesus, am telling y'all, I'm the one. I am the root. That means he made David. I'm where he came from. And he's the fruit. He's a descendant of David. He had to come through something. To come and identify with us, he had to come from somewhere. And I know this is hard for you to get your mind around. It is me too. And I'm glad that we can't completely get our mind around this King Jesus. But I want you to know, the very last book of the Bible takes us to where we are today. And it brings us to where we are in downtown Wynn right now, today. This root and this fruit, this king, this champion is Jesus. The champion of this story is Jesus. So you see that we have a good, great chief overlooked. He was overlooked in his hometown. David was overlooked in his family. He was the champion. And the thing I got to ask you today, oh, by the way, what is a champion? I googled it too. A person who has defeated or surpassed all rivals in a competition. A person who fights or argues for a cause on the behalf of someone else. And then, champions, this is a biblical version of a champion, are men or women whose spiritual armor are blood-stained. And battle tested. This is Jesus, y'all. And this is his people. Bloodstained battle champions. Who do you call good and great in this life? Who's your champion? Who is the commander and chief over your life? Who's the shot caller? That's the Lord, the boss. Will you please let Jesus alone be the only true champion over your heart and soul and mind from this day forward? And if you already are, 
we should praise him for it right now. Today, if King David walked through the doors behind Jerry back there and walked in here, and yeah, he was anointed a king once upon a time. I guarantee you he would gladly tell you that he laid down his crown at the feet of Jesus. And David would encourage you, if you never have, put your hope and put your trust in Jesus. You've been putting your hope in all these other things that are leaving you empty, leaving you wanting more. Would you do so today? I know that's what David would tell you right. He'd say, don't look at me. We got folks looking at David for the good things he did in the Bible and people justifying the bad things that he did in the Bible. They're like, well, David did it. David say, don't look at me. Look to Jesus, the one I wrote about in the book of Psalms. Look to him. And he would say the same thing, and that's all I'm sitting here saying or trying to say. I hope you heard it. Let Jesus, if you're here today, be your only champion. If you've already embraced him, sing out, shout out. You're going to get another opportunity. Wasn't the band good this morning? Leading us to worship this king. And I think we ought, y'all sounded good in here a while ago. I think if you already have Jesus as your champion, if he's the Lord of your life, belt it out. Football team's going to let you down. Jesus will never let you down. And if you're here today and you've never put your trust in this champion who is undisputed, by the way, undefeated, all weight classifications. He's the undisputed, undefeated champion of the universe. His name is Jesus. And you've never put your trust in him. You need to come visit with me. I'll be down front. Come on, praise team. And y'all, as they come... You'll see it next week. But when the father told David to do something, he did it. When he got to the battlefield that day, the Bible says, you can go back and read it yourself. It says he ran. He dropped off the goods that were weighing him down, and he ran to the battle line. Next week, he's going to step on the scene. And he's going he's gonna to say, I, I, I will do it. I've seen and heard enough. He's going to run to the battle line. He ain't going to mess around. Let us run to Jesus. If you're here and you want to put your trust in him for the first time, I'll be right here. If more people come, more elders will come. Sing out to him. Do whatever he tells you to do. Give your life to Jesus because he alone is the one true champion and he is your only hope. He's my only hope. Father, thank you for who you are and all you do. Help us to be a people that never forsakes coming to you, turning to you, following you, doing what you say, running to you, being the cheese man if you call us to be, whatever you say, may we be found as a people that do it.
Forgive us when we don't. And help us to get right back running to you and get back at your feet. Be mighty to save today. I know there's people here today that's been counting the cost. You've been chasing after them. They know it. And help them to know that they can come to you and trust you. And start a journey today with the one who will never leave them or forsake them. In Jesus' name, amen.